Blue Wire. The Arizona Cardinals select Kyler Murray. And the 2019 Offense Rookie of the Year is Kyler Murray. This year's most valuable player, Lamar Jackson. Jackson takes it himself. Look at him turn back and forth. Oh! He broke his ankles. He is Houdini. Touchdown, Patrick Mahomes with a rope. Chiefs are Super Bowl champions here in Miami. Alright guys, welcome back to the Stavish Pass Podcast and by Clutch Points and our friends at Blue Wire. I'm your host, Blake Bubble. With me, as always, my co-host, Dylan Reagan. We're back here to continue our uh, stroll through the NFL divisions with uh, sort of a general overview of what you can expect from each of these divisions. We're almost all the way through. Uh, only one episode left after this, which will be the AFC South, as we usually do. We keep that uh, for the end because that usually adds the most uh, wackiness of any division in the NFL, but uh, we do have the NFC South to get to before we get there. And, uh, of course, still in the NFC South will feature the defending Super Bowl champions, uh, a new look sort of, I guess, situation in New Orleans with the Saints uh, without Drew Brees. Still, you know, the Panthers, same situation where they walk into a, a different situation now with Sam Darnold. Uh, Falcons don't have Julio. Uh, this is uh, basically, <laughs> I think you look at it, it's, it feels like the Bucks and everyone else, really, when you look at it just on paper. Yeah, the bigger question, I guess, will be about which of these other teams competes for a wild card berth, because it does feel like Tampa should kind of cakewalk uh, to the to the division title with basically everyone back from their uh, team a year ago, as well as uh, some interesting additions, which we'll get into, that uh, showed out pretty well in their preseason opener. So, yeah, I mean, there's a reason that um, outside of the Chiefs, like people are looking at the Bucks as the Super Bowl favorite again. I would not be surprised by a rematch, but obviously a lot of things have to go into that. I guess for Tampa, it's just keeping all the main pieces healthy so that by the time they get to the postseason, they're ready to go. Because I don't, at this point, unless the Saints defense really dominates and they're able to keep a float on offense, I, I just don't see a team um, that's quickly going to rise up and, and overcome them for the division this year. Yeah, I mean, let's start with the Bucks because, I mean, I, I don't even know, like you said, I don't know where even the question begins of how like what is the thing that could cause them i guess not to i mean really i mean i think it's pretty obvious right it's probably a tom brady injury or something like that um maybe changes things certainly but i mean outside of that like they're just they're really good and uh, i think it's kind of hard to look at this team and pick apart a lot of holes um you know scheduling wise Yes, they'll play some of the better teams just based on how they finished last year but really when you look up and down the schedule I mean, it feels pretty manageable overall. Um, you know, they get the NFC East, which good good work there, and they get the Cowboys at home in that scenario, so that's fine. Um, you know, I think the other – what else do they get? They also get the AFC East, right? So they get the two Easts, um, which could be the two – I mean, really, you just don't like – you don't even know how that's going to – so I – yeah. I mean, good luck, I think, to, to everyone else, because I just don't see, again, a scenario outside of just significant injuries, uh, which which do happen, as we know, uh, doing anything to kind of change the balance of power here with the Bucks at the top. No, because last year, I mean, they even though they had at certain points not the best record and, uh, you know, were in the middle of the wild card race pretty significantly with the Saints ahead of them, they're, they're always really high on the DVOA numbers. They had just a lot of tough losses against tough teams. That just won't be the case as you just went through. And they're projected to have the third easiest schedule by football outsiders, fifth easiest by sharp football analysis. So, I mean, you add that up to all of the reps now. We talked about 
you know, how Tom Brady didn't even feel completely comfortable in the offense so late in the season. And you saw from December on what that team did, the continuity they have. They just don't have – the one thing about Tampa Bay compared to even the other Super Bowl um, you know, top favorites that we've been uh, talking about on all these preview podcasts, I don't think Tampa has like any one weakness. They have arguably the best front seven on defense in the NFL, a really good secondary that's only improving, and young guys that have been absolutely phenomenal, Antoine Winfield. Uh, everyone on that on that secondary really played really well last year and got better as the year went on. But that front seven is just scary. And then you have an offensive line that has proven itself uh, over the course of last year to be maybe not well. It's not a top two three unit. I still think it's in that. Top, it's definitely in the top ten, if not top five. And skill position wise, like they they might have the best set of uh, skill position players along with the Chiefs, like and the Cowboys. And you know, if, if depending on what those, all those receivers can do in Dallas. But, yeah, it's just there's no weakness. And then you have Tom Brady. And it's like, all right, this is ridiculous. Like, they have – you know, there's not going to be many games where you don't feel like they're going to have a great chance to win. And, obviously, they could have went down in the NFC title game last year. They had some other, you know, losses in the regular season. But I just think the continuity of what they have, the talent, the balance, the depth, is this might be the most – I think it is the most complete team in football at this moment. And uh, there's, there's a reason why um, I, I would not be – predicting anyone else possibly topping them in this division outside of barring injury yeah i think it's gonna be a challenge uh, for anyone else and which probably should just be a nice transition into the next team which is the saints their projected win total at nine by the way the bucks as we said was 11 and a half um mm-hmm. for them and i think you know that probably is about right as we talked about with the schedule and i'd, I'd go over for yeah sure. i was gonna I'm, say I'm like thinking... I'm thinking 11 wins is my low. Like yeah. Maybe 10 and 7 is the absolute worst, but you're going up to like 14 as the as the ceiling. If I look at their schedule right now, I think their toughest games will be, of course, they go they go to the Patriots, but I think they'll win that. Um, I don't see. I don't I'm see a. I don't see a road game they won't be favored in. Therefore, <laughs> like legitimately, be, they're at the Rams, yeah. at the Patriots, at the Eagles, at the Saints. Now, these aren't easy games, but at Washington, at the Colts, at the Falcons, at the Panthers, at the Jets. I think they're favored yeah. in every one of those road games. Well, Buffalo and the Rams, probably the two toughest, would you say? Maybe Miami, but man, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, they get, again, they get, the, games. they get the Bills at home, they get the Cowboys mm-hmm. at home, they get. Um, who else? I mean, Miami at home too. Yeah, yeah, they get Miami. Of course, they get the Saints at home. I, I mean, look, they're going to drop some of those road games I mentioned, but I think they're they're going to go into it as the favorite to win those games. Um, yep. Winning at the Rams, like you said, I think that could be a challenge. Patriots, you never know. Um, but I, you know, everyone else, I think that yeah, I, I'm with you. I think over eleven and a half easy barring an injury but that's always the thing we say is that's that's the one thing you can't predict when you're making those kind of bets on win total so yeah i I think it's it's pretty easy for them to hit that number uh the saints as we said are nine that's where i mean i I would probably not touching that one because i don't know what necessarily to expect from the saints but i think we have to remember too like they do still have a lot of pieces in place um even without drew Brees, there's going to be it's going to have to be a different feel but you know, I think that's where having Taysom Hill the way they've had him and the way they've used him is going to be something where they're not just completely starting over. Like, you've got someone there. Of course, Jameis is still there, too. They decided to go that route. But, um, 
you've got at least pieces in place that know the system mm-hmm. and and you've you know you've still got your playmakers there and Kamara and Thomas and of course the Michael Thomas situation I you know I don't know but yeah I just I think it's they're going to win games but I don't yeah. I no longer kind of put them in that category of you just go into the season thing all right Saints will win 10 plus games and just set it and forget it basically I think it's a little bit more complicated probably now yeah, it's. I mean, they have a, a ton of talent. It's just the, the biggest question marks are at the most important position, which has not been the case for so long. I still think they yeah, have, you know, great playmakers. Obviously, Alvin Kamara, but outside of Michael Thomas, they do need some of these receivers to step up. But their offensive line still a top five unit in my mind. Top, kind of in that same range as Tampa Bay. The defensive front seven is really strong, and while the secondary hasn't been as elite, Marshawn Lattimore's played at certain points last year was elite. Other points, not so much for a number one corner. They still have a solid secondary. So, I mean, they have enough talent, and I, I do trust in what Sean Payton has done. And you look at what they have achieved in games without Breeze the last two seasons. They've won the, the vast majority of them still, even if the offense doesn't look as uh, as electric as it has at other points in the in the Payton-Breeze era. But, yeah, I, I, I don't know about the nine wins just because their schedule is not insanely tough. It's kind of middle of the road, um, at least with the, the projections uh, based on their opponents. It's just... That was still the question at quarterback. I think they'll probably still find a way to be a solid team and still maybe get to that 9-10 range. Um, I, I, again, I just think there's too much talent, while even if the defense has lost some of its depth, based just because they've, for so many so many years, kicked the can down the road in terms of the salary cap and kind of had to make some tough decisions this year. and So it has cost them some of that depth, but I still think they have overall a lot of talent and uh, yeah, like we'll see what happens with Taysom and Jameis, and I think with the right situation, Jameis can still be a pretty replacement level quarterback. You know, and you know, in terms of that's more of a baseball term usually, but um, this thing can kind of apply here. Like I don't know, if, I think he can slot into that with Sean Payton and be put in a place to succeed uh, more than he has for certain portions of his career. So, yeah, I think the nine wins is pretty spot on it, it says we <laughs> they're a 500 ish team um but i think they have a little more talent it just really depends on what, what happens uh, under center for them uh otherwise yeah it's it could be the first time i'm trying to think you know on the last time the saints saints have been a playoff team at least for like five six years in a row now well i mean take your pick on the next group uh, when we when we finish like the both the panthers and the falcons are at seven and a half wins and i think this is where it gets interesting to where you know, it ties into the Saints. You know, if the Saints were to take a slight step backwards, like could the Panthers or the Falcons, either one, do enough mm-hmm. to catch up? <laughs> I don't know, and I don't think the answer is yes in either scenario. Because um, I think, again, you're, you're looking at this, I mean, right with the Panthers. it's Sam Darnold's there now, but we don't know any more of what to expect than we did before, perhaps. In that scenario, uh, you would think that, okay, finally he's away from the Jets. This should be a nice mix uh, of what he has there uh, with, you know, certainly a very talented running back. He's got DJ Moore, an emerging wide receiver. You know, he's reconnected with Robbie Anderson. It all looks fine on paper, but I don't know. You know, I think it's, it's, again, it's, it's one of those that, that offers a lot of unknowns still for the Panthers. And even with this, you know, offense that we know wants to try to be different and uh, do things in a different manner, they've still got, I think personnel wise, you know they've they've got some weaknesses in certain areas on both sides, and yeah, I just don't I don't see them being the one yet. To, and that's what we say. Like I feel like the Bucks are pretty clear number one. I think when you look at 
both the Panthers and we'll talk about the Falcons in a second. Like they, they're clearly, I think, still uh, a couple steps behind the Saints. Yeah, it's I, I don't know, man. Like <laughs> Carolina's in a place that's like you, you want to feel good about what where they're going, but their offensive line still probably is it's probably towards the bottom of the NFL, which is pretty disappointing given some of the talent they have. And for Sam Darnold, who's played with some really awful offensive lines uh, with the Jets over his career. So I have concerns about that. I do feel more confident in the coaching staff and what they're going to be able to do to put him in place to succeed. And I'm sure a healthy Christian McCaffrey will help a lot with alleviating some of the pressure with some of the screen game and different things they can do with him in the passing game. So those, and and just being aggressive running the football. Um, So I do think there's a chance they'll be solid on that side of the ball, but it's, it's a lot of unknowns Um, still on the defense, the secondary, I, you will see how, Quickly, J.C. Horn comes in and makes a really big impact at corner. He should start off the bat. But nonetheless, that secondary is still bottom five last year, one of the worst pass defenses in the NFL uh, by the end of the season. So it's just, I, I, yeah, I, I definitely have concerns about where this team is right now. I think they're moving the right direction. They have the right philosophy. Um, and I, I, I just think they need, to, <laughs> they need a hit with some of these uh, draft picks. They, they took Brady Christensen in the third round at tackle. At Deontay Brown, the sixth round, but they might eventually have to start investing some higher draft picks than they have uh, recently to improve there. Because unless some of these guys take a big jump and some of their new acquisitions really uh, take off, I that's I, I just feel like it's going to hold them back too much on that side and on defense. It's it's just even if the front seven uh, for them, and in my mind, I think Morgan Fox a little bit of underrated addition. I'm obviously biased based on his Rams tenure, but a guy that can fill both gaps and get some pressure off the edge obviously benefited from playing next to Donald, but. Overall, their front seven's probably in a decent place on defense. I just worry about the back end, and it, so it probably will lead to a fairly average defense and a fairly average overall uh, record. I think that seven and a half is again, like I, I think Carolina's too good with you know to to lose way too many games. Like they'll probably at least get to six wins, but how high is their ceiling? I don't know if it's higher than nine, like or ten, ten max. If they really everything goes clicks into gear, that would put them right in the playoff picture, but. Uh, I'm not predicting it, like you said. I'm not thinking they're going to be that team that's going to rise up. I think I would go under at this point, and I, I wouldn't go much under, but I mm-hmm. think seven feels about right to me. When you look at their yeah. schedule, their schedule feels a little bit more brutal. We talked about the Bucks, Like, the Panthers have to go to Dallas. Um, you know, they got the Patriots. They've got the Vikings. They've got the Cardinals. Washington, go to mm-hmm. Dolphins, go to Bills, Bucks twice, at, t- Saints twice. There ain't a lot of room for error in there. So um, that's what – I don't know. I think getting to seven actually could be a challenge with the schedule. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I would go under right now. But, again, I wouldn't be shocked if they could get to that nine range somewhere in there. But I think that's probably the ceiling based on that. And then, of course, we talk about the Falcons. Without Julio Jones, uh, new coaching staff, Matt Ryan's still there. Kyle Pitts should be, you know, the next big star at tight end. But, again – I just I don't see any reason to believe that the Falcons are going to take a big step this season. I, I just I'm not seeing it. No, absolutely. I mean, they it's just a team that's kind of stuck in a in that middle ground of are we trying to to win now? Obviously, we're still having Matt Ryan, and at, the, at this point with his contract, it seems like he's going to be there at least through next season as well. Um, but are we trying to win now? Are we trying to rebuild? And it's it's kind of in this tweener area. I I do worry about the offensive line. They lose Alex Mack and. I, I, they have some young guys that are going to long-term possibly prove to be solid replacements for some of the uh, losses they had along the line. But I don't know about 
believing that immediately they're going to be fantastic. Uh, they need to, to improve a lot for that running game to improve. Mike Davis, I know he played well in Carolina, but still not a, necessarily a guy that you're like that's going to really carry an offensive line that's middle of the road. Uh, Kyle Pitts, clearly, obviously, we'll get into him in a, in a second here a little bit more, but I'm really excited to see him. And I, I'm intrigued by overall by where this team is and what Arthur Smith's going to be able to do with his scheme and you know he's going to want to be a little more run-heavy. Matt Ryan's probably not going to be throwing quite as much. It should put him in better situations and hopefully take off some of that pressure uh, by making the team, uh, the opposition respect the run. But talent there, obviously, I would have been a little more excited if Julio was still in that receiving room. Is Russell Gage really going to prove to be a, a top number two receiver? I feel like behind it's really going to be Ridley and Pitts going to probably lead the way in targets. But it's uh, – a it's kind of yeah. I just don't know for sure until I see it. I do trust in what Arthur Smith can do. I just don't know if the personnel's there yet. And yeah, defense, a team that, we, as we kind of talked about, ended up being pretty solid by the end of the year. Faced six, was sixth in uh, uh, pass defense uh, DVOA by the end of the year. So I mean, that's a lot higher than we anticipate based on what we've seen from the Falcons. At a certain point, they had they kind of found a kind of found a their groove a little bit in the middle of the season. Um, but right now, uh, the front of that front seven of that defense still doesn't exactly uh, scare me. They have talented guys like Deion Jones and Grady Jarrett, but I would not say they're uh, just the deepest unit. Um, so uh, yeah, it's another team that is. It's probably in the same. There's a reason why they have the same win total projection. They have uh, Football Outsiders projects them to win the exact same number of games, seven point one. <laughs> so it's yeah. uh, right on this exact. Uh, this it's kind of middle ground where I think probably. It's, I don't see Atlanta going down too far. Maybe their their floor, if everything really bottoms out, it's like five wins. But uh, ceiling, maybe I put it a tad lower in Carolina. I don't know. I mean, I, if Matt Ryan plays really well in the offensive line, is just average. They could be good enough on offense to win some football games. Uh, but again, like a schedule that's not both them and Carolina, a little tougher schedules than Tampa Bay has. Obviously, having to face Tampa Bay twice just on its own is not an easy thing to do. And uh, yeah, just a team that I don't. Again, it. You like you want to be either in that contending window or clearly in the window building up and rebuilding, and it's just where right now the Falcons kind of feel like they're stuck between both. Yeah, I don't know what's going to separate the Falcons and the Panthers. I think that's going to be interesting, but um, yeah, I, I don't know what to expect from either one of those two. So yeah, we will see uh, with that, but we'll make our actual predictions, which uh, good luck with this division, I think, outside of, well, we're going to probably make a pretty good idea of one and two, but two and three or three and four, I think it's going to be, take your pick, flip a coin on yeah. uh, the Panthers and the Falcons. We'll get to that though, before the season starts. All right. We'll quickly run through our uh, awards here for divisions. As we do, we kind of uh, pick some things on what our expectations are. Division MVP. I mean, look, until this guy retires, I just don't, based on what they did last season, I, I you know, Tom Brady's the pick and I, we're both going in that direction. And, Sure, you can make the argument if the Panthers have an unbelievable season, McCaffrey, if the Saints were to win the division, Kamara's probably in there. Um, I don't know, maybe, maybe Taysom Hill. Maybe he just comes out of nowhere and has just a, a monster <laughs> season. But I don't bet on any of that. So I will bet on the guy whose uh, track record uh, speaks for itself, and that is Tom Brady. Yeah, it's it's an easy choice. I don't think there's any way to pick anyone else at this point, given what happened in the postseason last year, even for them not winning the division, what he was able to do over the course of the season with his development in that offense. It became you know, any questions about his ability to still throw deep accurately down the field were answered. And and then some, he, he had some great anticipation on some of the plays against a really, really good Washington defense in that first wildcard game. 
and obviously as the as the rest of the postseason went out, they are they're a very balanced team. I don't want to give all the credit. They do have a great offense line, all the skilled players, and the great defense, and that that you can make an uh, collective MVP argument for that front four in the Super Bowl. I would say they probably uh, were the were the the key to them winning. But um, yeah, it's it's Tom Brady. He's the he's the pick here. There's there's no one else that clearly at that position in this division right now is going to overtake him and what uh what the Tampa Bay has expectation was and where they expect themselves to be at the end of the year yeah one uh one category Tom Brady does not qualify for and that's breakout player uh he did that a while back so we're not going to pick him here but I'm going to go with the I guess you just probably the, the layup choice here which is Kyle Pitts the Falcons I know that's an easy one but you know Julio's gone um, the Falcons could be trailing by a lot of points. Um, and as we know, the tight end position, having someone like that, uh, that Matt Ryan may need to throw to and quick scenarios and everything. I just think he's going to rack up a lot of catches, a lot of yards, uh, by necessity. So I'll take the easy choice with Kyle Pitts. Yeah, I was going to go with Kyle Pitts. I'll, I'll he, he kind of would be my choice. I just want to highlight someone else just for the sake of doing so. And I'll, I'll go with Joe Tryon. He looked fantastic. The first round pick for the Buccaneers. He looked fantastic coming off the edge in his preseason debut. Obviously, it's just preseason, but I do think about all the talent they have on that defensive line. He's going to be singled up a lot, and I think that's going to be trouble for some of these tackles that he's going to end up facing on that on that lighter schedule as we've kind of talked about um, for for this team. So I think by the end of the year, he could put up some pretty big numbers. He plays a similar games to what Shaq Barrett does, and should when he gets opportunities have that kind of um, that kind of production, I think he has that amount of skill level. But with anyone on the defensive line, just like look at other guys on, on offenses uh, that are going to succeed when they have talent around them and get opportunities singled up, I think the same thing is going to apply to him. I think he'll have a great year. But, so yeah, really, honestly, everyone's looking at what Kyle can do. You know, as surefire of a, of a dominant tight end as you will see. I mean, you look at you look at where some of these other the top tight ends in the NFL Currently, Jordan Riddle, a late-round draft pick. Travis Kelsey, early in his career, wasn't you know, what the, the Kelsey we know now. Darren Waller was basically out of the league. So this isn't a position where teams, unlike others, are able to just draft guys and assume them to be great. I think that's maybe Kyle Pitts is going to be the exception to that rule at the tight end position. I think he's going to be fantastic for Atlanta and put up huge numbers right off the bat. Well, he could be a, a big fantasy guy, I think, as in the tight end position, as we know, can uh, sometimes be – uh, hard to predict and hard to find a lot of depth there, but he will certainly fill that void. And that leads us uh, to our final one, which is our fantasy division MVP. couple choices here. Uh, I feel like it's a two-man race, and that's either Christian McCaffrey or Alvin Kamara. I went McCaffrey. Dylan's also going McCaffrey. Uh, we, we bantered about trying to figure out the best choice for this one, but you just feel like probably in terms of what McCaffrey's proven overall, and then you wonder, you know, with Kamara, without Drew Brees, what's that look like? Um, so I think that that makes McCaffrey the choice here, at least uh, right now. Yeah, exactly. I I just want to see a bit more um, from Kamara with uh, with the quarterbacks that are not Andrew Brees. Just last year, his, his performance again really the splits between his play with Brees and without were pretty drastic. I think there's a chance that Kamara is still fantastic because again that offensive line is amazing. I mean, you know, there are going to maybe have to rely on him a bit more in the way that Carolina does the same with Christian McCaffrey. I think the opportunities might, you know, even end up being higher for Alvin, which is crazy to think with some of the workloads he's had. So I think it's it's neck and neck. But McCaffrey, when healthy, I think is just, you know, he's a full-on receiver. <laughs> and not that Alvin's not, but, you know, McCaffrey can literally do anything. And with the, you know, 
creativeness of what Matt Rule wants to do and with what they're going to have to do to alleviate pressure again. I just think that with the right, he has the opportunity, the amount of touches he's going to get, where I give him a slight edge. If I'm if I'm drafting, I'm choosing between the two. I'm probably still going McCaffrey fairly. Yep, that's what I would as well. So there's our little uh, bit of fantasy advice, which we've sprinkled throughout here. But we'll of course have more thoughts on the fantasy uh, heading into the season before things get started in a couple weeks. But uh, for now, Dylan, that was a look at the uh, NFC South, and of course we will wrap up with the AFC South in our next episode. But uh, for anyone that wants to find more coverage of everything going on, NFL preseason, getting ready for the start of the season, uh, got it all at Clutch Points. Yeah, you can go to clutchpoints.com to the fantasy football section there that's at the top now. Read all of our fantasy content. A lot of stuff coming out as you're making your uh, starting to prepare for drafts or if you already have done your drafts, starting to already look at maybe some pickups based on guys uh, showing out in the preseason. So you can search for that. Uh, or press on the fantasy football button at the top of the website. You go to the NFL section in the app to follow all the preseason games. You can read all of our NFL content in there as well and on the website. So, yeah, tons of tons of, tons of news, but also deeper analysis fantasy-wise, also just football-wise. You can find it at Clutch Points. And, yeah, excited. Enjoy the – I know we didn't really talk about the first set of preseason games. Watch as much as I could and we'll continue to do so uh, into the next week. It's been it's fun having football back and – not only under a month now until until Cowboys Bucks week one. Yep, I'm all in on Justin Fields and the Bears. So mark it down. Yes, uh, it's all in. So we'll <laughs> we'll see if we get that one right uh, when we make our predictions, or if that alters anything, we'll see about that. But yes, check everything out at Clutch Points. Uh, be sure, as always, to subscribe to the podcast. Search for Stabs to Pass. Any podcast app you use, subscribe there. And uh, thanks as always to the fine folks at Blue Wire for all that they do. And uh, thank you as always for listening. And we'll talk to you guys next time here on the Establish the Pass podcast.